Good morning. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh. Man, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited. How's everybody doing? Come on, you can do better now. How's everybody doing? All right, all right. Can we give it up for your pastor? Can we give it up for your pastor? Come on. Give it up for Pastor Daryl. I have uh, had the, uh, the great honor and privilege of getting to know that man right there for a very, very long time. Him and Jen have been a blessing to my life. So uh, if you don't already know this, you have the greatest pastor in the world here at this church. Don't take it for granted. Love on him. Uh, do whatever you can for them. Just be there for them. They are great, phenomenal people. Uh, wouldn't be where I am today without that family and just so thankful ever, forever um, indebted to that family. So real quick, um, uh, uh, so glad to be here. Let's give it up for our people online. Online, we're good to see you. It's good to be here. I'm so excited to preach to you guys today. We got the Branchville facility. Let's give it up for them again. They're going to be seeing this tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak to you as well. Uh, we're excited to, to, to just jump right into this thing. Amen? Amen? All right, before we do that, though, I forgot to tell the last service this, so I'm going to let you guys know this. If I say something good, let me know. Let me know, all right? Don't just look at me like I'm crazy, all right? Just let me know, all right? Even if you put a hand up, yes, Lord, that's fine, all right? I'll take that, all right? I'll take a wave. Stop it now. I'll take that. That's fine. If you want to get audible with it, I ain't mad at you. And I'm like, amen, hallelujah. Let's jump around and jump for joy. I'm ready. All right, if I say something you like, let me know. It's going to be an amazing service. It's going to be an amazing word. Uh, this word came straight from God, and I'm, I'm here to speak it to this church. Let me tell you something, guys. You got something going on here at Hills Church. This is going to be something that expands outside of Evansville. You're about to take over Evansville. It's going to be a great movement. I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about what's happening. I did not know what to expect when I walked in the building this morning, but it was, oh, wow. <laughs> they doing church for real up in here. It's getting so lit. I don't know if lit's still relevant, but I said it. I said it, all right, all right. It's all, all gas, no break, all right. So we're about to get right into this thing. If you haven't figured it out yet, I am a little bit crazy. I got a high, very, lots of energy. I couldn't tell you where it comes from. I do like coffee. Coffee does help. Caffeine does help, but it's a lot of energy, and so uh, at the beginning of my sermon, I have the most energy, so I'm going to tell you guys a really great story, okay? So real quick before we jump into this thing, all right, before we jump into the word, um, uh, Pastor Daryl and Miss Jen have been a part of a lot of my firsts in life, okay? So the first time I ever preached a sermon, all right, Pastor Daryl was at the helm of that. We were in a staff meeting when I was an intern, and he said, yo, like, have these interns, like, have they had an opportunity to speak? Like, has that happened? Like, let's let this be. Like, Mike hasn't spoke to anyone. And I'm, like, thinking, I'm, like, I don't really want to speak to nobody. <laughs> like, I'm good just sitting here, right? Like, I ain't never spoke a word. I am a high school dropout. Reading level of probably a sixth grader. Like, you want me to preach? I mean, if that isn't God qualifying the called, amen? I think somebody needed to hear that this morning. God doesn't, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. All right, when he calls you, he qualifies you for the calling that he placed on you. Check this out. If he called you to it, guess what? That means he's going to get you through it. Woo. I'm preaching already. I ain't even know. I ain't even jumped into my sermon yet. So check this out. All right. First time preaching. All right. This is my first service on a Sunday morning. Can we give it up for that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be the first black preacher at your church. Let's go. Here it is. I am as dark as they come. I ain't getting no darker. This is as dark as I'm going to get. The sun, I can't get no darker, all right? 
me and my beautiful family, uh, me and my wife, we've been married now for five years, 2017, we got five, got married. Uh, they do have a, a picture, like a graphic that they made. Look at that, boy. We're looking like gangsters in that picture. That picture, we were, um, we, were, uh, uh, we were doing a photo shoot for these people who just saw us. We're like, you guys like a cute couple. Want to be in a photo shoot? Sure. We were in this photo shoot, so it was great. And so we took this picture. You can't really sleep slow, and it's okay. You don't need to see her. She's not in this form. Look at my wife. She's beautiful. Doesn't make any sense. So. I had to throw the cliche in there. My wife is beautiful because every pastor does that. But yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. If I would have known way back then, when I was 16, and I was going to marry her, man, I would have gave my life to Jesus a whole long time ago. But it's all good. I did it when I did it, and it's all good. We're here now. But real quick, Pastor Daryl was a part of my first sermon, all right? The first time I get to speak on a Sunday morning, he also was a part of the first time that I ever stepped into Disney World. It was great. I'm going to tell you all about my first experience. It's like I was looking for the cameras the whole time. I was like, where are the cameras at? This, is, this can't be real, right? We get to Disney. All right, now the first time I actually went to Disney was through our master's commission. Pastor Daryl was uh, uh, the lead of a master's commission program at the church I went to down in Florida. And the first time I got to go was with a lot of my different classmates in that master's commission program. But any time that we had the opportunity to go to Disney, we went, all right? And so we didn't get to go to many parks that time when we went with the master's commission. But when I went with Pastor Daryl on this specific day, we got to do some park hopping, right? He had a whole, like, strategy. He's like, all right, we go to this park first and we do this. And then we jump out of that park and we go here and we get some of the different types of sodas from all over the world. Then we go here, I'm like, he was crazy with it, right? He had a whole schedule, all right? We followed that schedule to the T. And we were in, I, I mean, I think it was, was it Animal Kingdom? I think that's where Finding Nemo is. I'm not sure. But we went to some Finding Nemo ride, and I wasn't very excited about it. I was like, this is stupid. I'm a grown man. I ain't got to go to no Finding Nemo. I ain't here to look for no fish. I'm here to ride some rides, man, and experience. I'm trying to find Mickey. Like, where's Mickey at, right? And so then he's like, hey, it's going to be fine. There's an aquarium afterwards. And I'm like, there's an aquarium. You just piqued my interest. Let's go. Let's do it. We go. We do the whole thing. It's great. Aquarium is after the ride. I'm running into the aquarium like I'm a five-year-old, all right? Just got given the most best Christmas present in the world, right? 250-pound black man just barreling through folks. Yeah! Like excited, right? I get into this aquarium. It's this long hallway, and there's just glass everywhere, and there's water, and the ocean life is just, y'all, it's unbelievable. And again, I was looking for the camera crew because the next thing that took place didn't make sense. But I believe that God ordained this moment in my life for a reason. I turn around as I'm looking at the ocean life over here and I'm just admiring its beauty. I turn around. And as I look into the other glass, I see Mickey Mouse in his full costume coming up in the water. I, I kid you not. I turn around and I said, that is not real. Like, I'm beginning to see the ears, and I'm like, that's Mickey. Like, he's in the water. Like, he's on the other, he's not walking around. Like, he had the scuba diving suit on and everything. I'm like, what is that, right? He comes up, you see the ears, and I'm like, yo, 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 yo. There's kids starting to accumulate. They're like, Mickey. I'm like, get out the way. I start pushing kids out the way. I think I punched the kid in the eye. Like, I'm like, this is my time. Like, I'm getting up here, and I'm going to touch. I get up to the glass, right? Oh, man, I'm telling you, I swear to God. M music, like, let me stop swearing to God. That's bad. But I'm just promising you, right? I want you to understand. When I got up to that window and Mickey did this with his three fingers, four fingers, however many he got, and I put my hand up to that glass, I kid you not, I felt magic come through that glass, y'all. I don't know if that was Mickey or if that was the Holy Spirit, but somebody was there in that moment. And I touched that glass, and I'm like, God is real. 
God loves me so much. Like, right? I'm looking for the cameras. They're nowhere to be found. And all I could do is turn around and look at Pastor and go, thank you. Thank you so much for this. So can we give it up for your pastor one more time? Man, he just, a lot of my firsts, and I ain't even mad. I'm like, man, he, but I just, oh, my Lord. I just thought of another first. The first time I ever shaved, Pastor Daryl was there. I'm just telling you, man, it's crazy, man. This dude is all over the place. Yeah, that's kind of gross, but it's all good. I had never shaved a day in my life, and he's like, Mike, go shave your nasty face. And I'm like, that's not nice, Pastor Daryl. You're being a jerk, okay. And he sent me into the bathroom, and I literally, he literally showed me how to shave. Never learned from my father, I learned from him. Um, you have phenomenal pastors, church. I just want you to know that Hills Church, you have a phenomenal pastor, and don't forget that, all right. So we're going to turn our Bibles real quick to 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 24 through 27, that's where we're going to be reading from. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's okay. We're going to put it on the screen for you so you can read it, and we're going to jump right into it. Let's do this. Before we do that, can we pray really fast? Is that fine? Let's bow our heads and let's pray real quick. Lord, bless the word. Amen. All right, here we go. Ain't got to be long to be sweet. The Lord can still move with that simple prayer. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27 says this. Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. I love to read the Bible and I love to read all of the, like I am a story person. I'm all about taking me on a journey. Like I am all about that. And some of the parts of the Bible I read. Now sometimes you get in the Bible and it's like, all right, when do we get into the next thing? Like when it starts doing the genealogy in the Bible, I'm like, come on, y'all, you got to, God, you got to work with me, bro. Like I'm, I'm trying to read this and I'm like, man, but you know, it's good to read those because sometimes you start realizing, oh, Everybody's related. It's all good, you know. <laughs> we all in this together. So uh, start reading through it sometimes. And sometimes you start reading stuff that's just like, God, is it, do you mean this literally? Like, am I supposed to chop my hand off? I don't understand. So it gets a little crazy in there. But sometimes you get to those stories, right? And you get to those parts in the Bible where it's so specific, right? But even better than that, what I love about this part in Corinthians, right, as Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, he is using an illustration, that is relatable to the people of Corinth. That's the great thing about this, right? And there is a thing called the Isthmian Games, all right? And the reason he referenced a race is because he's trying to make it relatable to the church of Corinth. And so I love that. He used an illustration. He's a pastor. He's a preacher just like me. He used an illustration that was relatable to them. And I love, love, love this part of Scripture because it takes me back in time to a moment that I believe is, 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 is really crucial to you hearing today. And it, and it kind of ties in my whole entire sermon. And it's a moment back in 2004 all right, at the Olympic Games in Athens. Now, I want you to remember four names. I want you to remember four names. And these four names are Latasha Collender. That's a sister. We know that for a fact. Lauren Williams, Marion Jones, and Angela Williams. All right? Latasha. My sister's name is Natasha. All right? That's a little bit more Russian. They did Latasha. I'm like, yeah, she's a sister. So I know exactly who she is. She might be as dark as me. Here we go. So, Latasha Collender, Lauren Williams, Marion Jones, and Angela Williams. Okay? Now, what I'm going to talk to you about is the 4 by 100 relay, women's relay. Now, in case you don't know that much about the Olympics and how this works, it's very simple. You have four individuals that run 100 meters. After they've ran their leg of the race, they're responsible of passing a baton from one runner to the other. 
Now, let me put this into perspective for you, okay? So the first runner in this race was Angela. Angela was the first runner in this race. And then the second runner in this race, which was one of the fastest women in the world at her time, at her peak, was Marion Jones. And then next in the race was Lauren Williams, who also was a phenomenal runner. And coming up on the rear right there was Latasha. She was doing her thing, and she was at the perfect place she needed to be. Now, this story stands out to me because of something that took place in the exchange zone. What is the exchange zone? The exchange zone is the place at which each runner must successfully transferred the baton to the other runner. And they only can do it in the exchange zone. They can't do it outside of the exchange zone. They can't drop the baton. They must successfully transfer this baton in the exchange zone. So the gun goes off and they start the race. Angela's doing great. Comes in hot, hands the baton off successfully to Marion Jones. The day before, Marion Jones had been in so many different races and so many different trials that she was really beat up and fatigued. All right, she came into that day trying to get as much rest and restoration as she could, but just wasn't enough. But however, she knew all I have to do is beat Jamaica and Bahamas. And I am faster than their number two placement people, so I can do it. So Angela comes in and hands off the baton and Marion takes off. And Marion decides that I'm going to go the fastest I can. I'm going to go wide open as soon as I start running this race. She's trying to beat those other two girls, right? Even in her sleep, everybody below Bahamas and Jamaica she can beat. She's just worried about those two girls because they're pretty fast. And so she takes off and she gives it everything she has in that first 75 meters, right? She's going and she's got it. And then about that last 25 meters, she begins to slow down because she's seriously fatigued and she can't get there. But in the last ditch effort, she gives it everything she has when she gets to that exchange zone. But when she came in, Lauren said herself, she came in a little bit slower than she usually does. Lauren was taken off in her normal stride, but what she realized is that she was leaving Marion in the dust and she had to slow up. So by the time Marion was able to actually successfully hand the baton to her, they were outside of the exchange zone. They disqualified themselves from the race. Church, can I be real with you for a second? The world is more in need of the church right now than ever. We have to stand up and be the church. God has called us to live our lives a specific type of way, and we must live our lives as a reflection of who he is. We don't have time to sway to the left or sway to the right. The God that I serve is very, very straight and right down the path. There is no other way. There is no, I tell the kids all the time, my God that I serve doesn't mess up. This is exactly what he ordained and what he put together. If I could just follow the life that he's written out for me, the life that he's given me, if I could just follow that, it's going to be far better than anything that I could ever come up on on my own. And as I look at this dark world, as I look at how messed up it is, I look at my children, I look at my daughter, I look at my son and he isn't even born yet, and I'm terrified because of the things that they're going to learn and the things that are going to happen in their life. But what I do realize is that I serve a God that in the moment of our weakness, he is strong. I serve a God that if I can get my kids to understand that they are found in him, you will never realize who you are until you realize whose you are. If I can get them to understand that their identity is found in Christ and that they can build that foundation that lasts for a lifetime, I don't have to worry about anything. I can rest when it's my time to go. But until it's my time to go, I'm going to give everything I have to make sure that I bring some people with me. I won't give up. I will finish this race. I'll bring my wife with me, I'll bring my kids with me, I'll bring you all with me. But it's time to stop sitting on the sidelines and watching this whole thing happen 
and start to put yourself into the game. I told the students this past weekend, it's one thing to be sitting in the stands and watching the game happen. It's another thing when you're sitting on the sidelines and God can't even use you because you don't want to be used. It's another thing to be sitting there and God's calling you and God's saying, hey, I got something for you. I need you to jump into this game. I need specifically you. Do you realize, church, that some of you in this room, you're the one that's going to save that family member? Parents, I need you to step up to the plate and understand that nobody else is going to save your kids but you. What do I mean by that? Obviously, Jesus is the one that saves your kids, but Jesus uses you as a vessel. It is you that's going to teach them the ways of the Lord. And everything that you do, not in just what you say, but in how you act and how you carry yourself. It's not the youth pastor's job to take care of your kids. Don't get me wrong. Pastor Chris is awesome. Can we give it up for Pastor Chris real quick? He ain't here, but unbelievable youth pastor. But this is, this is teamwork. This is together. You're in this together. That student still spends more time with you than he does as youth pastor. And don't get me wrong. Pastor Chris is going to try to save him. He's going to do everything in his power to do it. But he's also got to know that there's a parent at home that's also teaching their children in the ways of the Lord. It's your responsibility. I want to be able to leave this world and know that I taught my daughter and my son how to run the race and to never give up. There are three things that we can disqualify ourselves from. And I'm going to be quick, so run with me. If I go too fast, just yell at me like, ah, like that, and then come find me afterwards. I'll send you my notes. If you want my notes, I'll email them to you. You can have my email, and you can email me whenever you want to. If you email me too much, though, I'll tell Pastor Durham, like, yo, this person's crazy. You know, you're going to talk to them. <clears throat> Number one, don't disqualify yourself from the finish line. Corinthians 9, 26 says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. In an interview, Marion told newscasters they had asked all kinds of questions and she's beat up from the race and she can't believe that they lost it because here's the crazy thing about these four women. These four women were the fastest team in all of the world for years. On paper, USA should have won every last one of those meets from 2000 to 2004 to 2008 to 2012. They were so fast. They were beating every team by two seconds. Now, two seconds may not seem like a long time, but when you run across a finish line, two seconds is a very long time. Out of the 16 Olympic trials they went through before they came into the Olympics in 2000 and 2004, they won nine of them. This team was unstoppable. So in that moment, Mary Jones is like, it wasn't that we didn't have the talent. It wasn't that we didn't have the speed. No, we disqualified ourselves from the race. That's the part that stinks about this. And let me tell you something, church. I refuse. I can't disqualify myself from the race. I have a family that I have to lead and that has to follow me everywhere that I go. I can't give up just now. Some of you in this room are sitting on the sideline. You don't realize that as you sit on that sideline, your family is sitting on the sideline with you. The people that you're supposed to influence are sitting on the sideline with you. You have to get into the game. You have to run the race. If not for yourself, run the race for them. Because here's something I also realized. As they pass this baton, right, they have to pass it and they also have to receive it. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, right, so I kind of have to pass the baton too because somebody else gave it to me. Somebody else gave me that baton. So then as I took that baton and I started to run my race, I realized that one day I'm not going to be on this earth and I have to give this baton to someone else. What happens if I don't run my race? 
What happens if we don't run our race, church? There is no plan B when it comes to this thing called Christianity. God's not sending someone else. We're not waiting for someone else to come. God sent you, the church, to go out there into a dark world and be the light. It's up to us. So the option of not running a race is not even there. Not for me anyways. I'm going to run this race and I'm going to run it the best I know how. And I'm not going to give up. And even in those moments where it feels like I can't do it or I'm not enough, God reminds me, you don't have to be enough. Because in your weakness, I am strong. We don't want to disqualify ourselves from the finish line, from the race. We don't want to disqualify ourselves from what God has for us. The second thing we don't want to disqualify ourselves from is the prize, the victory. Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The enemy's greatest job is to make sure that you never get to God. The enemy's greatest job is to make sure that you never understand your potential. Can I speak to the young people in the room today? It's you that's going to save this world when all the people who are older than you are long and gone. Especially if you're in this room and you're between the ages of 9 to 11, maybe 8. I need you to hear something. And if they're not in this room and, and you put them down to kids' church, that's great. But I know there's some parents in this room that have some 9-year-olds, some 8-year-olds, and maybe even younger than that. They're the future, church. And I don't think this world is going to get any better. I can't vouch for this world and say it's going to get any better, right? I don't think it is. So there's only one thing that we can do. We can't necessarily change the world, right? Not necessarily. Now, there's some things that we can do to try to change the world. If you want to become the president, go ahead. I'm behind you. How would this world look if the president of the United States was actually a devoted, a devout Christian? What would it look like if the top doctors in the world were devoted Christians who had a firm foundation of who Jesus Christ is? We can't do that right now, but you have these little kids running around your house, little boys and little girls who have the minds, who have everything, the capacity. Right now, they're in a place where they can learn as much as they need to and be so prepared by the time they turn 18 to do a full-blown operation or to be the president of the United States. I'm talking to kids that are literally 10 years old that are smarter than me. I'm not that smart, but still. That's our future. That's why I take this so seriously. We can't disqualify ourselves from the prize. The prize is that one day we get to leave this earth and know that our children are going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. The victory. We run. And let me tell you something, church. Let me, I don't need somebody to hear this today. Don't be so consumed with your failure that you never try. Don't be so consumed with the idea that you won't make it that you never try. Let me tell you something. There have been so many times that I have fallen, I have scraped my knee, I have broken bones, I have done it all. But every time, God was right there to pick me back up and go, keep running your race. It says in the word that anyone that decides to follow Christ, to take up their cross and to walk, I'm going to walk with that cross. I'm going to run. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that when I die, I bring some people into heaven with me. Don't disqualify yourself from that prize, from that victory. There was this one time back in the day when I was coaching middle school foot basketball. My team wasn't great. Now, if we jump to the next year, I went 17-0. and 0. Your boy was a gangster. 
I got, I have any coaches in the room? Are there any coaches here at all? Any, any coaches that coach anything? I just thought I'd ask. No? All right, so you can't relate to me 100%. Any, any uh, assistant coaches? Anybody ever done anything that looks like coaching? All right, anything like that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what we got, like football, basketball, stuff like that? Running, anything like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Basketball, they should just, basketball is just stupid. It's ridiculous. These kids, man, you try to explain it to them, man, it's just like, whoop. Um, all right, so this is what I need you to do. I need you to make this pass. I need you to cut to the basket and then make the layup. Got it. You, you sure you got it? I'm going to write it out for you. I pull out the board and write it out and everything. Complete opposite. Kid gets the ball in the corner, decides to do a little step back. Oh, look who it is. Steph Curry. Stop. You ain't Steph Curry. Because that's a brick. Nothing but this man is like building houses. He's got so many bricks. I know that's a very lame joke, but it's true. I'm like, all those shots are garbage, trash, stop, don't shoot. I had this one kid, he swore up and down he was Steph Curry. I'm like, you are not Steph Curry. First off, your body frame, it just ain't there. All right, you're probably never going to thin out, man. I'm just going to be real with you. You're probably going to be chunky for your whole life. All right, it's okay. All right, you'll find a girl that loves you for all of the chunkiness that's there, and you're going to live a great life and love God. All right, but basketball is not going to be for you. All right, I'm going to be very, very, very for real with my kids. All right, Sloan started looking at me and going, Dad, I want to do this. I'm like, honey, let's sit down and have a conversation real quick. All right, because I, Sloan, I want her to be a tennis player, 100%. I played tennis for a very long time, and I love the game. I want my daughter to play tennis, hands down. Gideon, he just sounds like a beast. Gideon Jude, this dude's about to take over the world. I ain't even seen him yet. He's going to have green eyes with curly hair. He's going to be beautiful, like Corbin Blue kind of beautiful. Not Corbin Blue right now. Corbin Blue right now struggling. But Corbin Blue back in when, you know, high school musical. Got that Corbin Blue. I'm putting this kid in the Disney Channel and everything. I'm making money off this kid, I'm telling you. I swear, like, age of 18, I told one of the students that fixed you, he started laughing at my, my son's name. I'm like, you laughing at my son's name, bro? That ain't even funny. That's not nice. I said, you know what? When my son is the number one prospect in football at the age of 18, any college he wants to go to full ride, you owe me a mil. That's what I told him. And I wasn't talking about no food. I said, I want a mil, M-I-L. I want a million. I want my money. That's what I want. I was coaching this, this basketball team, and... That year, they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. But that year, we came into the championship. Um, we came into our, 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 our championship, you know, different C, like whatever you want to call it, bracket, however you want to put it. And when we came into the championship bracket, we were the second seed. All right, it was the top four teams in the league of five teams. <laughs> I'm joking. It was probably like maybe seven teams or eight teams, something like that. It wasn't many teams, but it wasn't five. That'd be funny. It's like you ain't even got to try hard, right? And so we had the number one seed. All right, we were the number two seed. We had a number three seed, number four seed. The number one seed played the number four, and the number two played the number three. Number two played number three first. We beat our team pretty well. We had a great game. Came down to the sidelines, to the bleachers, and we were watching the other teams get ready. As we were watching the other teams get ready, we look over at the, the, the number four seed, and the coach is giving them the pep talk of a lifetime, right? All right, this is what we're going to do. I'm like, why is this dude screaming? Like, think about it. Like, this person is literally right here. All right. You're like screaming. I'm like, dude, you ain't got to scream. And they're right there. Just talk to him, right? He's for real. Like, dude is just, you can tell dude is just done with coaching. He's probably like 38 years old. Looks like he's 56. Like, I mean, all the gray hair in the world. Had the, I mean, had the gut like you would never imagine. Like, I mean, balding right here. I mean, it was all there. And he's just, all the signs are there that he should just give up coaching. Like, it's just not worth it. And his team was just absolute garbage. 
I'm being wrong. I'm just being honest. They were bad, right? They, they, I don't know how they got four seed. Actually, yes, I do. His name was Isaac. I don't know if his name was Isaac. That's just what we named him in the first service. We're going to call him Isaac. I just tried to think of the whitest name you could think of, Isaac or Albert, Andrew, Billy, right? And if you are any one of those names, I apologize. I know I'm not trying to be, you know, whatever it is you think I'm being, but here's what allows me to be able to do this. My wife is as Caucasian as they come. She is so white that it doesn't make any sense. Her family introduced me to Scrapple. Anybody know what Scrapple is? That stuff is great. It looks gross. Don't look at it. Close your eyes while you're eating it. But it's great. All right. Her dad is so north. I don't even, I don't even know what to call him. Like, it's just Delaware. Like, I mean, it's like the country people of the north. It's like the southern people of the north. It's great. I went to Delaware. It's like, how are they? I'm like, how are you talking with an accent? Like, you're, we're in Delaware, bro. Like, Philly is an hour away. Stop, right? That's my wife. So, yeah, I can talk about white folk. It's all good. And my kid is a zebra, so it's all good. Here we go. I will never call her a zebra. I'm just letting you know I won't do that. I call her a caramel latte. Here we go. <clears throat> they had this kid, Isaac, on their team. Now, number one seed. Let me tell you about the number one seed. Oh, man. Number one seed, all these kids were African-American. Every one of them. Coach was as white as snow, right? It was these inner city kids of the city of Orlando. They were at this middle school that only went all the way to eighth grade. And after eighth grade, they moved on to the next thing. And so it was unbelievable. It was great, right? But these kids all 6'3", 6'4". I'm like, what are, you, what are they feeding you at home? Like, are you eating like 5,800 calories a day? Like, stop. Like, how are you this tall? Like, some of these kids, I wouldn't want to see in the back alley. I would lose that fight. Time and time again, I would lose that fight. And so I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, all right, they're certainly going to lose to the number one seed, right? <laughs> Isaac was praying in the most inner courts. He was in the throne room with Jesus, y'all. Like, Jesus, please let us win this game. They tip off. Somehow, the number one seed tips the ball the wrong way. I don't even know how. These kids, you could tell. They ain't played much basketball, but they were tall enough. They literally just call out plays by the kids' names. Keyshawn. They would just throw the ball to him, and he would just make the, right there the basket. He'd just turn around. It'd be like those little kids trying to jump and trying to grab the ball from dad, and dad's holding it up and they can't get there. That's what it looked like. These kids, this kid's literally 6'3". These other kids, short. He's just putting it in. I mean, easy. But what happens is he ends up tipping the ball the wrong way. Okay. Don't know how that happened. Other team gets the ball. Before they went on to the court, the number four seed coach was just, I mean, I don't care what they do. You pass the ball to Isaac. I don't care if four people are on him. Pass it to Isaac. They pass the ball to Isaac. Isaac throws up a prayer. Wow! Live it out of prayer. I mean, I just, what the God? Throws the ball. He's not even looking. I can't hit that note. I tried, but it's all good. He throws it right. I mean, just, you're watching this ball, and it's like, I mean, come on, guys. It's not going to go in. Nothing but net. I'm like, this ain't real. Nah, man, that's just luck. It ain't going to happen again. Oh, yes, it did. They come back down. Give the ball to Isaac. Throws up another shot. This kid ain't even got no form, y'all. Like, it don't look, it looks like he, I mean, it, he, he might as well have just been turned backwards and thrown the ball into the hoop. Living on a prayer every time. Bon Jovi is just playing the whole time. I think at one point I turned on the song and was listening to it. Because I'm like, this kid is literally, he made at least seven to eight consecutive shots right there and won the game for them. So now it's our turn. I'm like, we can beat this team, y'all. This is great. We were excited because we were like, we're about to beat the brakes off this team. Boy, it's going to be great. Nope. What happens? Isaac Jordan gets a little bit hot again, right? 
Or maybe it should be Isaac Curry. Maybe that's what we should call him. Homeboy was making three-pointers like you ain't never seen in your life. Steph Curry can make some three-pointers, but this kid was better. All right, he's throwing. I mean, lights out. We get to the end of the game. End of the game. And as we get to the end of the game, we're up by two points. We sit our team down and we look at them and we tell them, hey, check this out. The game's already been won. The victory is already there. All you have to do is just hold the ball. 30 seconds. And then our league, each team had about 10 seconds that they could be disconnected or be away from the opposite team before the whistle would blow and we would have to give the ball to the other team. And what that means is that there has to be some type of connection between, all right, some type of altercation between the opposite teams. And what that means is that they have to make contact. You can't just stand on the other side of the court with the basketball and not make contact with the opposite team. If you do that for 10 seconds, they'll blow the whistle and give the ball to the opposite team. So we had come up with this play where we had a kid in the corner, the bottom left corner, a kid in the top right corner, kid in the bottom uh, right or left, I'm sorry, left corner, bottom right corner, top right corner, right? And then we had our big man right at the top of the key. And what they would do is that person in the top right corner would come down with the ball, all right? Because every time at the end of the game, they always go man-on-man defense. So he'd come down, and this man right here would set a pick and get that person off of him. And then he would be open to go to the basket. But instead of going to the basket, what they do is they'd pass the ball back off to the other corner. And they would just keep rotating, right? Just like that. Our best player gets this idea, well, what if I just go ahead and sink one of these shots to put us in a better place? Dumb move. Comes around, puts up this layup that's so beautiful. It should have went in. Nah. Bounces off the rim. Isaac Curry is already down on the other side, ready to shoot his shot. Guy gets the rebound. We probably got about 10, five seconds left. Throws it with everything he's got, living on a prayer. Me and the coach are like, no. It comes across, he catches the ball, throws up a prayer. Actually, you know what? That shot was probably the best form he had the whole game. He had nobody on him. I think he even pulled a Steph Curry and looked at us right after he shot it. And just turned around and looked at us like, <laughs> I just beat your whole team. Right through the net. We lost the game. Devastated. Sat our kids down. We looked at him. He said, what went, what went wrong? And one of, the, one of the students said something so profound. It'll stick with me for the rest of my life. And he simply said, you told us before we even started that the victory was there. And even though the victory was in our grasp and we could take it, we chose not to. We lost this game ourselves. Church, aren't you excited that we serve a God that's already won the victory? Come on. Give it up for our Savior. He's already done what needed to be done. He's already won the victory. There is nothing that you have to win, church. All he's asking you to do is to take that step. But here's the thing. I'm so tired of seeing churches. I'm so tired of seeing Christians, even after we've won the victory, to remove themselves from that. We need to step into that with everything that we have and understand that no matter what happens in this race that we run, as long as we finish the race, as long as we don't disqualify ourselves from the finish line, as long as we don't disqualify ourselves from the victory, God has already won it. We're good. All right. The only person that's going to disqualify you from any part of this race is you, my friend. That's all on you. Some of you in this room have been fighting God for the past three months, four months, six months, a year. God's been telling you, hey, I got something specific for you. I got a calling for you. I want you to do something amazing with your life. Some of you in this room have felt like God has been telling you, hey, maybe it's time to start giving a little bit more for your church. Maybe it's time to start volunteering for your church. Like, like let me tell you something. If you've got to pray about helping at your church, you've got it all wrong. 
You don't need to pray about helping at your church. I can go ahead and tell you right now, this church needs you. It runs based off of volunteers. If you're in this room and you've been thinking about maybe you want to cross that line and to become a volunteer, let me help you. Let me push you over the line. Let me say, go ahead and do it. God will begin to bless your life in ways that you can never imagine. Let's run this race. My third and final point. Don't disqualify yourself from the crown. Corinthians 9, 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it for a crown that it will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Can I tell you real quick about how amazing your pastor is? When I was 18 years old, I moved to Orlando, Florida to pursue a job in ministry. After I had met Pastor Durham in 2016, I had no high school diploma. I had nothing, not even a good enough diploma. That's a GED. Good joke, I know, funny. I didn't even have that. He accepted me into that program. I began to work as hard as I could. I had nothing to offer anyone. The only thing I had to offer, I had one thing to offer, and I always forget this. I only had one thing to offer, and that was that I played drums. I was a decent drummer. Made it into master's commission. I worked my butt off for a year. Got accepted into a second year of master's commission. I was ready to take on the world. And I took that step at the age of 18. I took that very step that I'm telling you to take. I decided to stop watching everything happen and decided to get into the game. And I took that step with the mindset that God was going to take care of everything. That maybe I didn't have to figure it all out. And maybe that I would mess up sometimes. And maybe I would get a little bit dirty and a little bit beat up. But it's okay. God had me. He was going to take care of me. Got accepted into master's commission. Started working as hard as I could. A year came around. Got accepted unanimously. And the Master's Commission staff came together and started voting on which students were coming back. When my name came up, it wasn't even a question. Michael Williams, oh yeah, next year, bring him on back, he's great. Unanimously, all the staff decided I needed to come back to that program. But what I didn't know is that Pastor Durrell was battling with some stuff when it came to that program. How would you feel if every night over 35 students were in your care. And every night that you went to bed and laid your head down on that pillow, you didn't know where those 35 students were. You didn't know if they were living the lifestyle that they were supposed to live, if they were doing something else. What was supposed to be a master's commission program felt more like a daycare. I mean, there were some, there were some people that Pastor Darrell had in that master's commission program that were on, that were rough, I mean, on the edge. But he believed in that program so much. He grabbed me after we had just did a special service for our, our high school service. It was right before our graduation that Friday. And he walked me back behind the back part of our church. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he looked at me and he said, I got to tell you something. He looked at me and he said, there will not be a master's commission next year. And I had to, I had to double take because I'm like, my whole world just came crumbling down. I, Pastor, I don't have anything else. There's nothing else for me to go to. And if I go back to Jessup, I know exactly where I'm going to end up. That's six feet deep in a life that, that I'm not supposed to have. I can't go back there. And so then he, I, I say, tell me again what you just said. He's like, master's commission is not happening. So I thought that was it, and I was ready to just leave. I didn't want to have the conversation anymore. But he stops me and goes, wait, but there's more. He's like, we're starting an internship program that's invitation only. Pastor Johnny, our lead pastor has given me three names. We're picking four students out of the 30 plus students in our master's commission program. We've picked three people. 
I walked into his office and I gave him a fourth name. And that name was yours. And I looked at him and I'm like, compared to these other, I mean, we got musicians, we got preachers, we got people who you could see the calling of God on their lives more than you could ever imagine. We got pastor's kids that are in this internship program. And then there's me, the high school dropout from Jessup, Georgia. And I look at me, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Pastor Johnny didn't want you, but I fought for you. He's like, Michael, I know that there's a calling on your life and that God has placed a calling inside of you. You took a step and you went for it and I'm here to help you to keep going. It's like, I know that master's commission ain't happening, but I need you to be in this internship program and we're gonna start proving all these people wrong. It was in that moment that my life changed forever. God knew I couldn't go back to where I was. And at that point in my life, church, I wasn't consumed with what I had been. I was just trying to get to where I was going. And God was telling me it's time to step out of what was and step into what is. And I began to walk in my calling and I began to do get to run the race if you could for me this morning could you bow your heads with me real quick as I close everyone in this room online you can join me as well and just bow your head and I just want to ask you one quick question if you're in this place and you would say that Pastor Michael I, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline I'm ready to run the race if that's you and you want to get out get off of that sideline and get into the game I just want to ask you real quick would you raise your hand this morning, would you raise your hand all across this room? Come on. If that's you and you're tired of watching this, this thing called life pass you by, if you're tired of sitting on the sidelines and you're ready to run your race, you're ready to pull your family into this thing, you're ready to run the race that God has ordained for you, I just want to ask that you raise your hand so I can pray for you online. Same thing. You can raise your hand right there, wherever you are within your home. Father, right now, every person that has responded today, I pray that you would just begin to guide them. Father, as they make this decision to step into the game, God, and to leave the sideline, I pray that you would give them vision. I pray that you would give them patience, Father. I pray that you would reveal to them exactly what it is that you want them to do. God, if there's anyone in this room right now, Father, that raised their hand and they're on, they're on that, they're in that, that, that place where they're trying to figure out, maybe I need to take that step, maybe I don't, Father, I pray that you would give them everything they need to make that step, to take that step. We're so thankful for for what you're doing in this church. We're so thankful for what you're doing in these people. And I pray that you would bless those that raised their hand today. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that wanted to raise their hand, but they didn't, Father, I pray that you would begin to deal with them right now. Father, begin to reveal yourself to them and what you have in store for them. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. That was a good word, wasn't it?